it solves all the requirements of today's microservices. There is a need for proper reactive streaming over the network. Welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. Well, this uh, will be quite a technical uh, perspective, especially for uh, Peter and myself. Um, yeah, we haven't wor really worked with this uh, technology, but we're still uh, going to figure out uh, some of the details uh, about it with our guest uh, of today. Yeah. Yeah, so it's about reactive streams and indeed I have to be very honest about this. I want to understand it on conceptual level and I and want uh, to know what it can be uh, used for within Bold.com, of course, and outside. Uh, maybe the services and teams we work for use it under the hood, but I'm not aware or cannot point out the ones uh, right now. So uh, maybe after this talk, I'm better uh, aware. So yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we received this invite for a presentation held at Bo.com that said, okay, the reactive streams specification is state-of-the-art for asynchronous non-blocking data streams with defined-grained flow control. Clearly, that was done for a good future, but does it have any future nowadays? How other programming ecosystems reacted to the appearance of the reactive stream standard, and did they adopt it, that standard or not? Moreover, will it survive after the introduction of fibers in GVM? Ole, the project reactive veteran from our socket founder Netify, will share his thoughts on these and more with us. So that was the invitation. So we took up the opportunity to have a chat with uh, Ole about this. So, uh, so welcome, Ole. Yeah. <laughs> you're eager to, to, to jump in the conversation, yeah, right? Yeah, so <laughs> hi, everyone. Skip the introduction. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey guys. Just go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, it's my pleasure to, to be in there and to, to talk about reactive technologies, reactive programming. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope I'm the right person because I've been involved in, in, in that process. I, I was committing to Reactor, and now I'm working on our socket. So mm -hmm. I, I know something about uh, reactive programming and reactive streams, and I hope I will be able to share, um, and I will be able to to explain the the the, the, the essential things about that, and uh, make sure that this is a right technology of the future. Okay. Great. Hey, and to, to, yeah, before we dive into the the future of this, yeah, the reactive stream specification, what it's about. What, what? So basically, the the idea of uh, reactive streams uh, as a specification, there is a couple of ideas behind it. So the first one is to uh, to to keep the stability of the system because nowadays we are building uh, microservices. Nowadays mm -hmm. we are building distributed system. So one system send data to another one, mm -hmm. and uh, this communication should be stable. Mm -hmm. uh, we may, should make sure we we have to ensure that. Uh, someone won't overwhelm another part of the like an one, another part of the system or component yeah. with uh, like uncontrolled stream of data. So reactive streams as a specification brings uh, a synchronous back pressure control uh, or flow control into into normal data streaming between systems. Yeah. And and that part makes it really stand apart from asynchronous. Uh, Communication like in GMS and stuff like that, right? That's really a different topic. Is that my understanding correct? Uh, yes, it's 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 a little bit different because with GMH, uh, with GMS, uh, GMS, we have um, broker yeah. which we are sending data, and uh, depends on the implementation. That broker can keep data in memory. So this is a way how uh, the technologies preserve stability by keeping. Mm -hmm. Something in memory, and then when 
um, subscribers or a set of subscribers are ready to, or consumers are ready to consume them, that those messages they are sending the signal that, okay, I'm ready, send me. Okay, of course, it, it, it depends on the implementation. For example, Kafka just put it on the disk, and uh, then there is some way of back pressure here, like uh, we are pushing data, then Kafka uh, put it on the disk, and then subscribers, whenever they are ready, consume them with mm-hmm. some with some specific numbers, which is also an option to implement back pressure. However, if you want to send data efficiently without storing them somewhere in between, then we uh, most probably or perhaps want to have some specific mechanism in order to say directly to the producer that, okay, this is the number of messages that yeah. we, we are ready to consume at this point in time because we, we know the capacity of our systems because mm-hmm. we are all engineers, we have to understand what is what is uh, um, kind of what kind of resources we produce to pro- provide to our uh, applications and we always kind of know what is what is the limit and how many elements we are ready to to store and then efficiently consume so uh, of course this part is implemented somewhat in message brokers but if you're gonna um, touch the performance, the the efficiently mm-hmm. efficiency of data sending. Then we probably want to focus on reactive streams as a specification yeah. and as a standard for for streaming data between systems. So yeah, that's that's about it, and that's the main differences. Okay, so you uh, and the message broker systems like Kafka, we shouldn't uh, compare it with reactive stream specification. That's yeah, so there's another that's way the, that, that just explain what what kind of well-known uh, implementations do we have in, in uh, reactive streams? So um, there is different. There is a few kind of implementations. So if you're talking about um, single application, like the Java application or mm-hmm. .NET application, then uh, there is a set of libraries which provide us with, um, with a, that, that um, this particular implementation. For example, Project Reactor is a good example of reactive streams mm-hmm. implementation for GVM. Or there is another one like Eka Streams, which is more for Scala engineers. Yeah. Also, there is RX Java 2, which provides set of um, set of types for doing reactive streams. So uh, there is a few libraries in different languages. For example, in .NET, there is a couple of them. Uh, as far as I remember, there is uh, one for JavaScript as well. So there is a couple of them. It's still evolving. It's still improving. So mm-hmm. maybe later, over the time, we will see more. But yeah, this is what comes to my memory at this point in time. And yeah, this is in memory libraries, let's call it, or yeah. in process mm-hmm. libraries. And a part of that, there is uh, there is a library for, for network communication, like RSocket. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working on right now which basically brings reactive stream specification for uh, for network as a network protocol and let you transparently send, for example, one reactive streams over the network mm-hmm. without losing all these guarantees, behaviors, and so forth and so on on the other side. So that's that's uh, the two types of libraries uh, that we have right now for reactive streams. Okay, so you're, you're helping out, or you're building the implementation of this specification in R- RSocket. That's so um, the initially, um, so there is a, again a, a couple of things. Initially, specification was developed independently uh, by big companies like Netflix, like uh, Facebook, like uh, Twitter, Pivotal, and other big companies. 
who was interested in uh, reactor programming and reactor streams and and sta- stabilizing the the reactor streams in terms of back pressure. Mm-hmm. So they developed a specification together, and that happened at the beginning of 2013. And then over the time, Netflix, I guess everyone knows Netflix nowadays. Netflix yeah. is a big shop of reactive programming and reactive streams. And the main person behind it is Ben Christensen. So he mm-hmm. is he is the person who brought uh, Eric Java to to Java, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. or <laughs> reactive extension to Java. Yeah. And then he was involved in development of reactive stream specification. And finally, um, he figured out that uh, there is a need for proper reactive streaming over the network. And uh, he and the team uh, over a few years, starting from 2000, I guess, 15, or the end of 2014, uh, started development of uh, reactive of our socket. Mm-hmm. Or initially, yeah. it was reactive streams for net, okay, or reactive streams net. Yeah, and then it uh, like simplified to our socket, like reactive socket. And um, yeah, the specification was developed uh, at Netflix by Ben Christensen. Uh, Todd Montgomery, this is a guy who uh, who is involved in development of um, network protocols. Yeah. So he was taking care of building the proper framing and like specifying uh, efficient way of sending frames, uh, like uh, small frames and so forth and so on. So I'm not an expert of, of building network protocols, unfortunately. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a hard work that they done. The very uh, in like beginning of uh, evolution of our socket and then it turned out that uh, the team were disbanded afterwards because Netflix as far as I know decided to focus not on engineering but on movie production that's good actually <laughs> because now we can watch good movies <laughs> but in any case like yeah. uh, the team uh, disbanded and went over the world and Ben Christensen went to Facebook where he continued work on our socket mm-hmm. and a couple of uh, persons from Netflix from uh, Edge team which mm-hmm. was basically involved in all the innovations uh, created uh, Net- Netify this is okay. a company yeah. I work for and uh, continued work on other implementations and on the protocol itself um, and yeah took, take, took cover the, the main uh, work on, on the specification and the protocol for network uh, reactive streams. Okay, and, and so Net, Netify, your your uh, the company you work for is is like really a technology company that brings this into the world, right? Right. So yeah, we are technology company. We're uh, contributing and pushing to the world uh, our socket as mm-hmm. a right solution for doing um, cloud native and microservices communication nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we are building and improving the protocols. And on top of that, of course, we are building some products. Like it's it's the model of, uh, of course. Yeah. data stacks and their Cassandra. So we are doing the same. We are um, building our socket as an open solution. And then we provide some set of uh, enterprise uh, features and products on top of it in order to simplify life for, for enterprise, big enterprise. Hey, and what, what what use cases are these? Let's talk about these enterprise solutions. Typically used. What what are the the use cases for it? Whether you in what uh, like type of companies or whatever. See, uh, for our circuit. Yeah, uh, yeah. So basically, um, 
the main use case is to just throw away your HTTP okay. and start <laughs> use our socket because our socket brings uh, almost the same the same set what uh, of features that. Uh, was building into HTTP, so mm-hmm. we have all this type of communication. We have like headers, metadata, routing, specification, and a part of that we extend much more HTTP than it is right now, even in in terms of HTTP two. Mm-hmm. So we brings um, like data or streams multiplex, and we don't have to create several several connections per client. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have much more communication models. So we have like bi-directional streaming request, stream request response, fire and forget. So yeah, this solves all the requirements of today's uh, microservices. And a part of that, we brings peer-to-peer communication, which mm-hmm. is absent in, in HTTP2 right now, because uh, if you're going to look at a specification, we will f- figure out that uh, client have to initiate all the calls mm-hmm. in order to yeah. to wire uh, to wire any types of... of um, of interactions right now, and if server want to check what's going on on the client side, uh, there is no like way to to no. do that <laughs> uh, without receiving a call from the client. So yeah, this is this is uh, this is uh, my thoughts and my vision on our socket as a replacement for any uh, any type of communications. So uh, we are hoping that it becomes a standard for for like. Network for, mm-hmm. for browsers as well at some point in time. At least we are trying to to do that. And uh, but yeah, it's it's a long way, and I'm not sure when when it happens. Starting from now, yeah, and and in the meantime, it's a, a real good alternative for using HTTP between microservices. For sure, it's high performant. Uh, it's pretty. It brings lots of things like stability, back pressure because mm-hmm. it's reactive yeah. streams, and we have much more features built in, which wasn't a case at the point of uh, HTTP two development, for example. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it from my point of view, it's a good way to 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 start doing more stable and proper communication over the over the wire of between services, and not only between services, but in in browser as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, and, and again, to compare it with with the regular brokers we know, if you need the performance, then you would choose for this new uh, protocol. Is that is that correct interpretation or? Um, actually, it can, it could be a replacement for um, for, for for everything. I, <laughs> my point of view, we can uh, message broker and message brokers. It's a particular solution for for messaging, mm-hmm. which brings. Uh, data persistency into the system. So we can, for example, or some way of data persistency uh, into the system. And um, this kind of communication could be considered as publisher, subscriber, PubSub, we know it as well-known name for for today. And basically, our socket could be a transport for doing uh, this type of communication because it brings uh, another set of guarantees which can just enforce like existing brokers and improve the communication between them and the clients. So yeah, you can even in between. Uh, yes, you, ba- basically there yeah, is a uh-huh. lots of use cases for our socket, and nowadays yeah. uh, one of the use cases, for example, we are doing database uh, communication with database, and nowadays the database is the biggest pain point because, for example, in Java world, uh, 
there is uh, there, for for a long time the only driver mm-hmm. or driver driver standard was JDBC. Yeah, and it was blocking standard. But recently, of course, appeared R2DBC. It's React Relational Database Driver. But in any case, um, we still uh, the database is still uh, a pain point because database implementation is not ready for streaming. Mm-hmm. So um, in many cases, we still have to to work with um, pool of connections. We still mm-hmm. have to play around around all the things because yeah, there is R2DBC for Postgres for uh, MS SQL for limited number of databases, but if you want to use, for example, Oracle, if you want to use something different with reactive stream semantic, with uh, like all the benefits of uh, reactive programming, then we would have to, to, to invent something. For example, what we can do with RSocket, we can create RSocket sidecar around database, and we can keep the logic of load balancing, of um, um, pooling, like pool management of connections, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on within the sidecar, and then every client can just connect to this our socket server, and then our socket server up will give some magic, and uh, will automatically go away from pools because a single connection to the database, and we don't have to to manage it on our manage it on our own. And then we can, for example, yeah, control back pressure. We can control mm-hmm. uh, stability on the sidecar side as well between all the clients and share the the, the number of um, of um, request capacity. So there is lots of feature building in our socket which can enforce uh, even database in the current state. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the number of use cases is basically unlimited as, as for me. That's why I'm I'm so I'm so I'm staying <laughs> behind it and I'm so pushing it like strongly pushing it to the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. When we were um, doing some preparation with you uh, up front, you were explaining that the talk you just held was. Uh, uh, Born two two months ago, you said. Yeah. So, but the the way you now talk about it, you sound a bit like the evangelist uh, for for this subject as well. Uh, so, you will be on stage a lot of times with this presentation. Uh, about which one? About mm. but but the, the reactive streams and the. Yeah, most probably because this is still an interesting topic. Uh, um, as you may notice, it's a little bit philosophical one. Uh, it's about um, how it was born. Like what? What was behind the the idea, the the the, the kind of the, the development of these technologies? What kind of problems people try to to solve during the history, and uh, what led to what we have nowadays? So on the one hand, it's yeah, it's it's about reactive streams, the state of it. Um, it it lets you understand what 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 was the idea. But as for me, I, like the evangelism is a little bit about um, pushing some particular solution or library to the market. I'm pushing the philosophy, so I'm letting people uh, get some understanding of, of uh, the idea behind reactive streams and reactive programming as well as I'm saying where they have to apply it and what they will... Uh, face with, uh, with those kind of libraries when, once they start using them. As, as i shown, like, for example, flat map and flat map and flat map, and then you trying to shoot yourself in the leg. So this is this is a complex thing, and you have to understand the, the internals and so forth and so on. You have yeah. to deal with debugging. And, um, yeah, th- there is a set of problems which 
can make it, I don't know, horrible in some way. But I'm not hiding that. I'm just saying like that mm. there is, and you have to, and, and you uh, have to understand how to where have you to where, where you can apply this this particular tool, tool and which kind of problem perhaps you you should solve this with this solution and this is this technique. So that's that's basically what I'm trying to to send this uh, in this presentation. Yeah. So, and you, we already discussed a bit on the on the future. You you shared the, the ideas of uh, use it in 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 maybe even in a broker environment or a database environment. Do you see other aspects uh, and your, your thoughts on the future for this? So, um, for me, like uh, reactive streams is a standard. So the good point about standard is we have some specified behaviors mm -hmm. which should work uh, and here and there and everywhere basically. Yeah independently on language and type of implementation. That's the, the idea of reactive streams, to bring specific behaviors for, mm -hmm. for streaming. And uh, I see that once we start using technology like RHEL or similar things, which I guess maybe WASM or like WebAssembly is pretty similar thing, uh, we will start crossing the boundaries of languages because we will be able to run uh, Java and JavaScript and I don't know .NET, whatever other language in the single environment, okay. and uh, those technology will start crossing the boundaries because they will have access to each other. Mm -hmm. And starting from this point, we would um, question questioning ourselves how, for example, this behavior works or how a sync await works and, mm -hmm. or how we are going to descend from one thread to another and how concurrency will work from Java to JavaScript world. So that is a question which is going to appear, and uh, they will start being a pain point for, for engineers as well, once it happens. So from my point of view, once we are going to use like reactive streams as a standard mm -hmm. for data streaming, we will have the same specific behaviors in every language, independently on the, specific, uh, on the implementation, Okay, and uh, we will be easily, uh, and it will be e really easy to like to receive stream from Java and continue it in JavaScript, and then stream over to Rust or any other languages because yeah, behaviors are the same. So mm -hmm. we have, for example, guarantee of happens before, which guarantee that the data will be kind of observed by any other threads, and so forth and so on. And we have guarantee in reactive streams like serial data. Sending, which means that uh, once we can send data only when um, we protest previous one. So we can't invoke on the next method simultaneously by different threads. So that's the guarantees brought by reactive stream specification, and they are clear, and it means that they will be working in the same manner everywhere. So yeah, that's, that's another use case, as I'm seeing, like the way to standardize uh, communication between different environments, mm -hmm. which different are totally un yeah. unrelated, but it happened that they're running in the same ecosystem. Okay. So yeah, that's um, another use case. But in general, as for me, we always have to remember what, what type of the problems we are solving. Like what is, what is like, are we sending like big data? What is the SLA for, for our application? Should we have like low latency or it's fine to, to, to be a little bit slow? because mm -hmm. we don't have to process everything in real time. Mm -hmm. And depends on that, 
on what we have in our system, like what time of the database, we have to, to apply a particular technology. Because yeah, if you're going to, to use Hammer for, I don't know, for, um, for doing some un unrelated to alien work, then most probably it will be misuse of a particular tool. So we, okay. we, we always have to, to think whether... Yeah. It, what, it, it, what would be a typically be a misuse of reactive streams? But when would you definitely not use it? Because then it would be the, the hammer trying to uh, do the screw thing, basically. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so um, as for me, like I wouldn't never try to... Uh, Okay, I, I will try to use it everywhere because I'm just a fun. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want <laughs> it just a fun for me, uh, and uh, I know like how it works. I know how to avoid pitfalls because yeah. I, I, I know internals of most of the reactive streams yeah. libraries. So for me, it's easy. But the let's take. We don't know the, these pitfalls. Right. We don't so, know the internals. Yeah, they, they can misuse it, right? Yeah. Let, let's take like an ordinary software engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would never try to to build like a simple web application where which is a lot not higher than like I know uh, 10k messages mm -hmm. per second, like 10k requests per second. So I would try to to keep the application simple with imperative programming, mm -hmm. probably with Spring MVC because this is the simplest try-forward solution. There is a ton of answers or on any problem at Stack Overflow. So we can Google almost anything without wasting our time, like investing into uh, solving the solution and finding mm -hmm. the answer. And uh, yeah, because of the budget-wise, because of the load-wise, and because of the, I don't know, the simplicity of the system, keeping the code transparent, I would use in, in such case like Imperative and Spring MVC. But once it turns into like uh, data streaming, into some complex data processing, but where we have like a couple of network uh, calls into that and this and another system and we have to gather them together afterwards and we have to parallelize them and we have to utilize our um, hardware to the top without losing any CPU cycle, um, then I would probably apply here reactive programming and project reactor, for example, for solving that case. Okay. So one of the cases where you wouldn't use it if, if basically the requirements for performance or on the low side for simple web apps, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, another case where you definitely <laughs> wouldn't use it. <laughs> yeah, basically from the perspective of just a yeah a, 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 a software developer doing some. So um, I wouldn't use it for for definitely for calculating some for doing some CPU bounded work. Mm -hmm. You can imagine you can yeah. you have to calculate Bitcoin Bitcoin hash, mm -hmm. which is yeah. basically like. Using particular algorithm for for doing like just CPU mm -hmm. work, yeah. and in that case, uh, there is no IA, there is no complex like calls between systems. Mm -hmm. So basically, there is not there is not like it, reactor has nothing and reactor streams has nothing to do with with that kind of no. uh, work. So basically, if you want to build efficient like bounded CPU work, most probably you don't have to use. Mm -hmm. uh, reactor and reactive API and reactive programming at all. Okay. So then, then yeah, turning that a little around, one of the cases where you would use uh, one of the next steps in reactive programming was when latency became an issue, and one of the things was when uh, basically memory usage became an issue. That, right. That's where you were, uh, so that would be the the cases where you would definitely use it. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. So if if you if you need like if you have to process. 
like terabytes of data and you mm -hmm. don't want to and you want to process them pretty efficient like with low latency in real time if you want to um, keep your application stable like without overwhelming the memory by redundant items then um, you want to use reactive streams that's for sure um, even though maybe you want to use reactive extensions just a way to to push data without any any mm -hmm. boundaries no. um, actually there is there, there is a good library in Kotlin for example mm -hmm. there is flow which is developed by uh, Roman Elizarov right now uh, and yeah this is a library for just data pushing and uh, like bringing the API of reactive extensions into Kotlin this um, like coroutines and internals built in on top of coroutines and then similar things uh, but yeah if you want to um, a little bit more stable system when you know that a couple of components are a little bit slow mm -hmm. and you have to like apply back pressure from time to time like yeah. slow down the producer but keeping the system uh, behaving as a stream then mm -hmm. this is use case for reactive streams so this is yeah. the way where you want to use the tool without any limitations and yeah, yeah this is the use case for it this is where the hammer is yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah, just maybe a small sidestep in the preparation. We saw that you're all, that you also wrote a book. Yeah. Uh, called "Hands-On Reactive Programming in Spring 5. Right. Um, how how is that related? Is is it uh, related to the reactive stream or is it totally different? So. Um, it's related to reactive streams. Yeah. So this book is about reactive programming. This book is about reactive streams, which is also contains more reactive, but it's about the system. It's like reactive system. I say it's reactive streams. Yeah. Okay. This is this yeah. is book about reactive programming, reactive streams, and reactive system. So it okay. covers all the cases, because I guess uh, from my point of view, one of the important. Um, Part of, of any system is to be stable, to be uh, responsive. So this is this all words are um, in reactive uh, reactive manifesto, which is about reactive system, which is another kind of system. And um, I'm explaining that as one of the think about uh, building reactive something mm -hmm. reactive. And then I'm saying that one of the good ways to, to do that is to apply proper technology, like proper messaging technology, like reactive streams. And then I'm explaining how to use reactive streams, how to use Project Reactor. With Spring, of course, how you can um, utilize Spring in order to build reactive system, what kind of components it brings, how Project Reactor and reactive programming are is it, like is uh, built in into those libraries, how it works, and so forth and so on. So this book is about like reactive system, reactive programming, reactive streams with Project Reactor, and how to do that uh, with Spring. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. So it is related. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. uh, how do you do that? You're, you're writing books, you're giving presentations, and you're able to program. <laughs> yeah, basically I'm not sleeping. This is an explanation. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, uh, but yeah, there is somewhat about it because most of the time uh, I'm either traveling, um, doing some coding because it's important for me to keep hands-on uh, on programming, understanding how tools work, 
contributing yeah. to the to the particular particular technology I'm evangelizing, for example, because yeah. in, in in other cases just an empty words without like without being involved without mm-hmm. feeling something um, about those technologies. So for me, it's really important to to contribute to like protect to advocate those technologies so the, 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 i would say this is not just evangelizing but advocating because I, i'm a believer yeah. in that i know how it works and i'm answering and explaining how you can get, achieve benefits using that and uh, yeah this is how related like evangelizing traveling and talking with engineering but uh, maybe a year ago or from this point in time it's two years ago um, someone proposed me to to start writing a book, and most of the time I'm saying, "Yeah, sure, I can do that," and then I'm feeling pain afterwards. But <laughs> what did I just say? Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's how yes. it happened. And during like the uh, the year before, during the year before, I've been writing book during my normal day duty, like engineering duties. Mm-hmm. I was writing my book at nine. I was sitting like. Till 3 p.m. Oh, till 3 a.m. Um, and then sleeping just a couple of hours, and I spent my all weekends just doing writing, 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 and that's how the book uh, was born. Nice. And uh, yeah, on the one hand, uh, it's just pretty about uh, time investment and time management, and I decided to like to. To decrease the number of like parties and w- what every <laughs> normal, uh, ordinary person can do to just doing work in order to survive, because books are usually not uh, bringing that much money. It's not mm-hmm. about the money. It's it's about like what you want to share. Mm-hmm. Maybe later it brings more money when you wrote like ten books like Venkat or more. Yeah. Then it it it. Could be about Sunday for the happy few. <laughs> yeah, it it, it, it yeah. could be about some some yeah. revenue afterwards, but yeah. in general, it's just about like sharing your thoughts, sharing what you think about and in what you believe. Okay. And yeah. yeah, I think it's already time to yeah. go to the club. So right. also yeah. thanks for sharing your your thoughts yeah. and your knowledge and your enthusiasm uh, on uh, on reactive streams uh, here with us today. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> um, thank you for bringing me there and asking. Such interesting questions. Uh, good to hear. Do you have like, yeah, one thought for our listeners that that you really want to to share with them? So one final takeaway. Final takeaway. Um, yeah, our socket every home. Our socket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So maybe I would say that as a listener uh, after this um, after this podcast, you would have definitely take a look take a look at reactive programming, reactive streams. Probably you have to take a look at the state of uh, reactive streams uh, presentations that I just given at Ball, and uh, you have to understand whether you are applying the right technology at your company. Of course, you may use in Project Reactor, but you have to think whether it's the right use, right use case for you. And if you are using just imperative blocking in your company, wasting money on, on the hardware, maybe you have to think whether you can reduce the number of spends and save money for your company and your business. Yeah. So basically, that's that's the point for thinking at the end. And I'm not sure I'm yeah. uh, able to add anything else to that. Yeah, that's 
Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we we can add some show notes to this uh, to this episode uh, to refer to your uh, site to to dive a bit deeper into uh, what it is about. Yeah. And and for me, um, yeah, I want to thank you because uh, of course it are terms that you now and then hear, but uh, there are empty terms. But now it, it gets more uh, alive. And what I really liked was the the fact how you explained the. That it starts crossing the the boundaries of languages, it it gives me some extra thoughts again on yeah how can we use that or do we need to use it or uh, yeah, yeah so uh, also triggers a lot to, to me uh, I must uh, I must say so yeah and I would like to say I have a great presentation at uh, the next meetup you're now uh, going to attend in Amsterdam yeah I'm I'm attending yeah. Amsterdam meetup reactive meetup afterwards yeah. and yeah. yeah see you all there thanks <laughs> yeah. okay. Thank you. And thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab and subscribe. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun. <laughs>